0: Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. Today, we're going to explore the relevant words of Jesus Christ and how they relate to your life and mine. So, enjoy the message. Well, one of the benefits and blessings of serving as Family Life pastor here at the Collegedale Church is I get to know students from Southern. Recently, and these students are from all over the place, Recently, as a result of that situation, I was invited to officiate a wedding in Iceland. It was a wonderful perk of serving here at the College Dale Church. I thought I'd show you a couple pictures to get started from, from this trip. It was just this last May. If you can go ahead and roll those pictures. Let's go ahead and show a few. This is my favorite section of the drive. It was the East Fjords. It was incredibly beautiful. This is, there's lots of incredible waterfalls there. Uh, this is one of the ones I enjoyed. And the next one's another one I enjoyed. And uh, those are people along the left, way down there, really small. This is a giant waterfall. And uh, see, this is the church where the wedding was held. It's a very popular tourist attraction there in Reykjavik. And this is the actual wedding service inside uh, going on there. It was a beautiful wedding, lots of fun. And then I thought I'd show you a picture of where the reception was held. I don't know how well you can see that, but it's a sod building. It's an old Viking lodge and uh, it was really really unique it was uh, there's a viking carved into the door and uh, i'll show you one picture on the inside there there's the interior of it and this is the bride and groom this is in front of the house that her grandma was born in there in uh, iceland it's a cave turned into a house And the bride's name is Agnes, and the groom's name is Seth, both alumni from here at Southern. And it was fun. We arrived on Tuesday, the whole wedding party, and we went around touring the different sites together. But while we were here at the cave, this is now a tourist attraction where her grandma was born. It's a tourist attraction. Lots of people stopped by to see it. It's been renovated to look like it was back then, uh, possibly. She told me this story while, while we were there. Her, her grandmother was born there, so it was her grandmother's parents, so it's her great-grandparents. One day, they heard that the king was coming to town. Now, this time, the king of Denmark ruled over Iceland, so it was the king from Denmark. And they were so excited. They wanted to see the king. He was coming to town. So, I don't know how they made these decisions. They did not explain it to me, but the decision was that the husband would go into town to help make preparations for the king to come and the wife would stay at home. So they executed that plan. The husband went into town and there was no town near that cave, so it must have been at least a five-mile journey away. I don't know if he had an Icelandic pony or if he hiked, but somehow or another he made his way into town and with great excitement he helped the other people in town prepare for the king. But at the end of the day, he returned home sad and dejected for he had not seen the king but he met his wife there at their little humble home in the cave and she was exuberant for the king had visited their home and she had served him a well-known Icelandic treat I can't pronounce the name of it but it's kind of like Greek yogurt and while I was there I fell in love with it it's very good as did the king of Denmark he loved it and he went back to Denmark and made sure they imported it from Iceland And I got to thinking about that story, and I got to thinking how much of a metaphor is that for how people interact with Jesus Christ. Some people with great exuberance look to welcome him and never never do, while others welcome him in. John 6 captures a story, this happened over and over again throughout Jesus' time here on earth, but John chapter six captures well such an experience where people are exuberant about him, but they miss the king. Let's take a peek at it. John chapter 6. It's a familiar passage, familiar story. It starts off with Jesus feeding, miraculously feeding around 20,000 people. It's known as the feeding of the 5,000, but that was just the men. So there's probably at least 20,000 people there. And uh, after he miraculously fed everybody, people start talking. Hey, guess what? You know what? I bet this is probably that promised Messiah. And think about it. Think about how amazing it would be as if while we're in the middle of overtaking the Romans, he could just instantly prepare a meal for all of us. And so it says in the text that they decided they were going to force Jesus to become their king because they knew that that's what the Messiah was going to do. He was going to overthrow the Romans. So the passage says that, that Jesus dismissed his disciples because they were probably in the middle of it trying to help get the crowd to make Jesus king. And then he also dismissed the crowd, and then he went up to the mountains to pray. Well, the, that night, he walked on the water, as it says there in the, in, the, in the text, and surprised and scared his disciples and ended up in Capernaum the next day in the synagogue. Well, the crowds figured out where he was there in the north, north shore of Galilee, and they all gathered in the synagogue there in Capernaum, eager for more food and to make him the king. Well, Jesus just confronted them straight out with a spiritual conversation. They're looking for physical food. He starts talking about a spiritual conversation. And there's this major conflict. And they're getting more and more agitated and Jesus is speaking more and more direct. Spiritual truths, but they are totally missing it. And one of the saddest texts is there in verse 66 of John chapter 6 where it says, From this time... Many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They missed the king, though he was right before them in their very presence. As I started thinking about this, I I wanted to know the question, why? Why did these people miss the king? So I just started thinking about that question, and I've, I've made a few observations. See what you think. Observations number one is that the human heart naturally leads us away from Jesus and His kingdom of love rather than toward it. Romans 6.6 6 talks about that we must die to self, and it's talking about the old sinful nature. We must die to the sinful nature, and if we don't die to that sinful nature, then our, that natural sinful heart will lead us away from Jesus and His kingdom and not toward it. That's why it's so important that we don't go along with what Disney World champions for us, this theme statement of follow your heart. It sounds so romantic, but it'll lead to destruction. Also, let's look at Proverbs 14, verse 12. There's another idea that Scripture uh, provides here that could play into why these people reacted the way they did to Jesus at this time in John chapter 6. So Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says this, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Is it possible that the sin woven into each of our hearts causes a blindness that we're not even aware of? When I was uh, working on my master's degree up at Andrews University, uh, my wife and I decided we were gonna take an adventure up to the upper peninsula of Michigan in the winter time. We thought it was a great idea. We were gonna go there to go snow skiing. I don't remember the details of why it worked out this way, but we didn't get away very early. And by the time we got up to the uh, upper peninsula of Michigan, it was in the middle of the night, past midnight. I don't know what time it was, but I know I was extremely tired and I was having a very difficult time staying awake. In fact, we were driving along and all of a sudden there's bump, 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 and it like almost woke me up. I was, my eyes were still open, but I was not really doing well. And uh, it was railroad tracks I had just run over. I, I didn't stop. I didn't do anything. I didn't even realize there were railroad tracks there. It jerked me back to attention and, and I was like, oh, I'm glad there was not a train coming. And we kept on going and then we turned left. And we start driving the very last last section of the trip. And I don't know, it's somewhere between 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was just really struggling to stay awake. And then uh, after driving for, I don't know, another 20 minutes or so, I look over onto my left, and there was this big, bright, lit-up fort over there. I said to my wife, hey, look. Look at that fort over there. There's just light shining on it and everything. We're like, oh, that's really cool. And We talked about it for a little while, and we finished our trip up after we saw the fort. Well, we, we had our time uh, there having fun skiing at, at uh, that location there in the Upper Peninsula. On the way ho- back to our, our home, we said, let's see if we can see that fort that we saw that night. So on the way back, we're looking, and now we're looking on the right side of the road, looking for that fort, looking, looking, looking. There's no fort there all we found were some train tracks and we're just thinking that maybe it was a train engine with the light shining of the train engine and in our delirium of being so sleepy that we had this whole conversation about a fort so i'm thinking that perhaps that could give us just a little taste oh by the way we don't drive past midnight much anymore we're just like some people can do it it's just not us but we're thinking that Maybe that just gives us a little taste of, of how sin can cause blindness in our lives. We don't know what we're not seeing. We think it's true. We think what we're seeing is right. But it's not. Certainly that was the case here in John chapter 6. Because these people had seen Jesus turn these bread and fish into you know, a small amount, into a huge amount. They knew that this guy would be perfect to overthrow the Romans, and they knew that that is exactly what the Messiah was going to do. So they knew the right thing to do was to force him to do that. Blindness. Sin woven into our heart causes blindness, and then it's intensified, that blindness is intensified by our rationalization that we become so skilled at. One other reality of our sinful nature, our human nature, is that when we combine our brokenness that we receive from growing up in a broken world, uh, combine that with sin, uh, that combination can easily combine to make it easy to, get, easy to get stuck there. Proverbs 5, verse 22 talks about that. Take a peek at that verse. Proverbs 5, 22. This is what it says the evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him the cords of his sin, sin hold him fast so when I was uh, driving across a country road once middle of winter there in Michigan once again I had just come back from doing a, a little worship for a school I was volunteering at it was an elementary school uh, this was out past Dwaziak for those that know the, the Michigan area uh way out in the middle of nowhere just rural agriculture area I'm driving along 50 60 miles an hour no one in sight clear day sunshine middle of winter and then i see in front of me there's a squirrel in my way now i have quite of a tender heart and i did not want to run over the squirrel so i went around him and in the process of going around that squirrel i did not notice but there was ice on the road and my car started going in and around, in and around, in and around, and I ended up backwards in the snow after colliding through a, a sign way into the snowbank, probably about two, two feet of deep two feet deep of snow. I was driving an Nissan Sentra. No matter how much I pushed on the gas, I was going nowhere. I was stuck. Fortunately for me, after this was before cell phones, this was before... Uh, you know, the modern technology that we have, I was just out there in front of my car thinking, now what do I do? Fortunately for me, it wasn't long at all, and a farmer happened by with a big old farm truck, and he just happened to have a chain in the back of it. He hooked that up to my car, and in no time flat, I was up and out of that ditch, out of the snow, and going again. But I got to thinking, there's just something about the way that snow comes together and ice that just makes it not so good for the traction our tires need when we're driving it just doesn't work so well and the same could be true for the brokenness in our lives and and the sin that combines it just it's easy for us to get stuck into the same habits of sin and so just like i had to ask that farmer for help i would like to suggest that when we find ourselves in situations like that we should humble ourselves and ask for help. The book of Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun, and that's including sin. This has been around for a very, very long time. There are people who have gone before us who have learned how to get out of such holes as that. We should humble ourselves and ask for help because God helps people through other godly people. So I think these were some of the dynamics that were probably going going on in those people's lives there in the book of uh, John chapter 6. These are some components of the natural human heart that could have played in to them missing the king though he was standing right in front of them. But how about for you and me? Revelation 3.20 Another very familiar passage. This is what it says. It's the words of Jesus it's in red my Bible it says this here I am I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with him and he with me Jesus longs to be in relationship with us he longs to have a close friendship with us. Eating a meal together has consistently been a way that friends enjoy time together. Jesus uses that metaphor to communicate to us He wants to be close friends with us. And because God's kingdom is based upon love, God waits, Jesus waits on our invitation to be part of any part of our lives. He does not force because that is not love. He is dependent upon our invitation. Our main text today, Matthew chapter 26. Verse 26 says this. Once again, Jesus there with his disciples gathered around the table. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he gave it to the disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my body of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has the solution for all of our heart problems. It doesn't matter which one of the heart problems we've talked about or the ones we haven't talked about. He has a solution. It's called forgiveness. and It's free and it's abundant but he waits for our invitation. My good friend Andy Nash told me the story about how a Jewish man in Jesus' day would go about proposing to the girl he wanted to marry. He said that when the Jewish man had decided which girl he wants to propose to, he would go to that girl's father and he would buy the permission from her father to ask her if, he would, if she would marry him he emphasizes not asking, it's not buying the girl, it's just buying the right to ask her. Then she still has the choice as to whether or not to accept. So once he has gone to the father and made arrangements to propose to his daughter, then at the, just the right time, perhaps at a family gathering, they would all gather together, and he would take a cup of juice, and it was called the cup of his covenant, and he would hand it to the girl and ask her, to marry him if she chose to marry him and accept his invitation she would drink the cup and that meant yes so in that time in that context when jesus sat around this table and he talked about a cup of the covenant and he invited his disciples to drink from it what these disciples in their time and their day were hearing is will you marry me and I'd like to suggest that it's the same thing that Jesus is saying to you and me today. Will you be, marry me? Will you be in that close of a committed relationship to me so that I have all of you? I have your entire heart. Will you invite me in? Recently, unfortunately, very recently, our air conditioner broke in our home. I don't know if you've noticed, it's been hot and humid outside. It happened to be hot and humid when our air conditioner broke. It broke on a, on a Wednesday night. We already had the house cooled down Wednesday night, no problem. Captured as much cool air as we could, contained it in the house. Called the people who installed the air conditioner five and a half years ago for us on Thursday. Thursday didn't work out. Friday didn't work out. Sabbath, we took a break from trying to get help. Now it's Sunday and it's hot and it's humid and we're desperate. So we go through all the internet looking for somebody to come out on the weekend. We found somebody. Brought him out. Now our air conditioner unit's in the basement. It's not super well lit down there. It's not finished down there. And within the first thirty seconds, he found the problem. There was water all in the tray below the air conditioner unit. I'm like, why didn't I see that? That's just right there. So he took his wet vac. Vacuumed all the water out, and instantly our air conditioner started running again because there's an automatic switch down there that turns off the air conditioner when the water level starts coming up in that tray to prevent from flooding the whole house. So he vacuumed it out, offered to do further research for us. We said, no, thank you. We'll invite the guys out that installed it for us tomorrow. So the the next day, the guys came out that installed it for us, and they did an evaluation of it, and they said, there's only one problem. Your drain pipe is clogged. The, the pipe that drains all the condensation that's dr- uh, drawn out of the air, it's clogged. That's the only problem. You clean out the drain pipe, which they did for us, and you're good to go. Five and a half years, I had never touched that drain pipe. In my other house, I had, I had cleaned it regularly. But this house, I didn't know how to. There was a pump that pumped it all out. I didn't, I didn't know how to do I didn't know I was supposed to. It got clogged, and it shut down the whole unit, and we all suffered as a result. So I'd like to suggest that forgiveness that Jesus is celebrating here and offering to his disciples is God's solution to keep that pipe between God and us clean and clear. I was recently reading through uh, the book Patriarchs and Prophets and author Ellen White makes this statement on in page 497. With humiliation and searching of heart let us seek to discover the hidden sins that shut out God's presence. Now, this is not about adding guilt and shame to sins we've already forgiven. We've already confessed. God's already forgiven them. They're gone and, and behind us. This is about just keeping clean between God and me. This is a beautiful gift that Jesus gives us. It's the opportunity to be forgiven, a remedy for the guilt, a healing for the shame. So I'd like to invite us as we, as we take the grape juice, as we take the bread, let's take that as an opportunity to, to have this cleaning done, to surrender all to Jesus and invite him to convict, to have his will, to have his way. And as we participate with eating the bread and drinking the juice, to let it be a way of invitation to say, Jesus, you can have all. I confess my sins. If there's a specific one you want to talk to me about, bring it on. I'm listening and I will confess it. You can take it from me. And by all means, if we find ourselves stuck in a particular sin, please, let's make the commitment to God right now that we will go and ask a person that has been there, done that, and figured out a way out of that hole for help. I love Psalms 103, verse 12. This is what we're celebrating today. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's what God's forgiveness is all about. It's behind us. It's gone. And that's what we're celebrating today. So I'd like to invite the deacons and the elders to join us up here as we celebrate God's gift of forgiveness to us.